All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Movement Elevated podcast. Um, I'm your host, Dr. Scott Runyon. Uh, and as always, we want to talk about getting people moving in the mountains. And who better to get people moving than a personal trainer, uh, especially one like Mr. Rob Decker, um, who's got an amazing story that I can't wait to dive deep into. And uh, he's got you know a special niche that he likes to work with as well. So welcome, Rob. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thanks for having me on, Scott. I, I appreciate it, man. I really do. Yeah. I met Rob a few weeks ago. He's an awesome guy, um, a man of great faith and um, definitely, um, like I said, he's got a great story that um, we'll get into a little bit later. Um, anyway, Rob, let's start off. Tell us a little bit about what you do as a personal trainer. Um, well, you know, for me, it's it's a lot deeper than fitness coaching, but you know, what I do want to do is I, I want to address the, the needs and the goals of the individual before me. Um, for me, you know, fitness is a vehicle to kind of dig into some deeper stuff in life. Um, you know, if someone wants to come see me just because they have particular goals, that's cool. But because of my faith background, um, my drug and alcohol recovery background, my fitness background, functional corrective strength, training um it's kind of like, like this this all-encompassing approach that i take with people um because i understand that a lot of times we go to the gym to let out the stresses of life and so for me i also want to attack those stresses of life you know to dig a little bit deeper um maybe to encourage some healing and and, and really aim for true transformation it's one thing to make your body look and feel a certain way but you know if we can get to the deeper issues of life um i think that's a heavier accomplishment and to me that's one of the most amazing things of exercise and fitness is that emotional that mental component that comes with accomplishing a goal with having things to work toward absolutely well you know i, I think there's a level of resilience and grit that comes along with um you know, self-care, you know, really, really beating yourself up good, you know, maybe for long periods of time in order to achieve something. Um, it is a great stress relief, but just the, the, the positive qualities that you get out of training and fitness and movement, you know, I think we live in a culture where people aren't moving as much and as well, and it's really destroying the human being. So, you know, how can we get the most out of people? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I like what you mentioned about like people aren't moving as well either. That's where I think someone like you and I work together very well. Um, you know, you get people moving and when they aren't, when things aren't quite right and they need a little bit of help to get things back on the right track, I can, uh, I can help you out with that as well. And well, we you know, sometimes play off, play off the, each other so well that way. Well, and the, and the truth is, is that, you know, um, sometimes it takes a village to help people, you know, and, and it, it mm -hmm. takes uh, other perspectives and different educations. And, you know, um, you know, even where I got to where I'm at today, it, it wasn't just by one person or one book, you know, it's like, it was a collaboration of many things with many people in order to get where I need to go. And so, you know, there's nothing wrong with someone having a personal trainer and a physical therapist and a chiropractor, right? You're going to take a lot of good things from all those people um, you know, hopefully they're all on the same page together, but there's nothing wrong. Like 
you know, as, as far as our, our fitness life and the longevity of it, you know, it is a journey. And so, you know, you're going to have to pick up a lot of stuff along the way. And that means, um, being open enough to learn from other people, especially the profession, the professionals. Yeah. Yeah. 100% agreed. It does take so many people to get accomplished what you need. And as long as it's moving somebody in the right direction, I don't care what, you know, what direction people go with it. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, at one point, like I had a chiropractor, I was working really closely with three very intelligent um, personal trainers. Um, I had a physical therapist slash uh, uh, muscle therapist or, or a massage therapist, right? Like I had a handful of people that I was working with at the same time because they all brought something a little bit different to the table. And then, and then what I did is I started to connect the dots for what really worked for me personally. So, you know, my personal training journey, it wasn't just some guy that, you know, wanted to work out. It was so much deeper and, and there needed to be a deeper understanding of human movement mm -hmm. and, you know, where pain come from, comes from and how to address that pain and, you know, correcting movement. And so th there was just like this, constant um body of work that needed to take place and through you know certifications that edu education um you know personal research but then having these awesome people around me i mean that put me that catapulted me uh into an amazing direction yeah and i mean you've been through a lot um you know and you sent me some pictures the other day of your x-rays about how everything was looking better, um, after some of your injuries. Um, do you want to go a little bit deeper into some of your story? Yeah, yeah I'll, I'll share my story. Are you sure you're not going to get bored hearing it a second time, Scott? Dude, <laughs> Dude it's, it's so, it's so inspirational. Like seriously, what you've overcome is amazing. So, uh, yeah. no, I, I'll never, I don't think I'll ever get tired of hearing it. <laughs> well, I'm going to hold you to that, man. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, a little bit about my background, you know, I, I grew up in a really tough environment, um, you know, a tough neighborhood, you know, my parents were drug addicts and alcoholics, um, very um, emotionally and physically abusive, um, you know, not always with, with us, but with each other, um, at times it was with us and, um, you know, so I was exposed to a lot of trauma at a very young age which eventually led me into uh, drugs and alcohol. So that was what I saw in my house. And so that's what I became. Uh, by the time I was 16 years old, 17 years old, I was pretty much a full-blown drug addict and alcoholic. Eventually I dropped out of high school because I couldn't keep grades. I did really lean on fitness and sports for a while there because that was my escape in this life. Um, that's where I just kind of got to break away and do my own thing. But even that had a cog in it at points, uh, especially with like playing sports, playing baseball, um, because of my behavior and my inability to focus in school and my drug and alcohol problems, I couldn't, uh, you know, get grades to play sports. Um, so then naturally, you know, having a $20 membership was feasible, a very doable. I could go work out, um, as much as I wanted, then I kind of just became the fitness guy amongst all my friends. 
And, um, and I used fitness to balance out my drug and alcohol abuse. I, I used fitness to uh, find some level of stress relief. Um, you know, it was good temporarily, the fitness stuff. And, and you know, I, I liked the camaraderie with the boys when it came to working out. I liked the attention you know, that I was getting from looking a certain way in the gym. And so I naturally gravitated to an arena where um, I got that validation, you know, Um, I got that attention. But the reality is a lot of my issues weren't being addressed. And so as my 20s went on, I don't remember most of them because I was uh, under the influence and drunk most of those times. Um, I ran through a lot of relationships and you know met a lot of really nice young ladies but because I didn't understand what a uh, healthy relationship was I couldn't maintain a relationship I didn't really have boundaries in my life when it came to people I was one that kind of said and did whatever I want because that's just what I knew Um, by the time I was 29 years old I met a young lady and at the time that I met her I was working at Gold's Gym as a front desk guy um, I started selling steroids and human growth hormone. I was a full-blown drug addict, alcoholic. I had just lost my license to a DUI. I was living in a sober living environment. Um, you know, I was just managing my life at that point. And I got involved with this young lady. <clears throat> Shortly after I got involved, I ended up losing my job. And so selling drugs was like what I was doing. And, and, um, my relationship with her was so toxic and so destructive that we actually had to break up um, because it was going down a very physical and unhealthy path. Well, during that breakup, uh, she decided to get into escorting. And I decided to go get saved. I, I found myself Jesus. You know, I had my buddy who, who worked at Gold's Gym. He, uh, kept trying to get me to go to Bible studies. And, you know, I was just like, you know, man, I'm glad it works for you, but that's just not my thing. It doesn't work for me. Um, but at this point in my life with the breakup, um, just seeing the direction my life was going in the drug and alcohol problems, I was basically homeless at this point. So I was able to get out of the sober living environment. Um, but I was struggling, man. I was struggling to get by. And, um, when I found out she was escorting, I decided, that I would get back into her life and I would, um, you know, bring my faith, my newfound faith and into that relationship, which, you know, I, I didn't really have it really. I mean, it, it was just so fresh and so new, man. And, um, her and I had an agreement while she was escorting. The deal was that, she had to start cutting off all of her clients and her and I would work on our relationship. And she went on one final trip to Hawaii with one of her clients. And she was sending me videos and pictures of black and blue eyes. And she was telling me how he was forcing himself on her and um, disrespecting her and, you know, being, you know, emotionally abusive to her. I mean, basically she used, everything other than the word rape um and you know that's that's what happened while she was there and and um 
during these conversations, you know, she, you know, she consoled in me and, and she told me that when she got back from this trip that her and I would work this, this thing out. And so she came back and I was drinking at a friend's house. We were watching the Lakers playoff game this Memorial day weekend, 14 years ago. So this, my 14 year anniversary just passed and, um, of what I'm about to share. And, um, she came to pick me up. We went to the liquor store, bought some alcohol. Well, we went back to her loft. She lived in a three-story loft in, in Northern California. Well, her and I got into a conversation and I don't think the conversation was like leading the way she wanted to. And we got into this place where she wanted to start being intimate and I just couldn't be intimate. You know, she had just got raped. That was the impression I was under. Her and I had previous issues. I felt really uncomfortable being there. And we got into an argument about it. So I went downstairs to kind of sleep it all off. And um, I woke up to a banging at the door and um, I, she comes downstairs and I asked her what was going on. And she had uh, looked at me and said, I called the cops and, that, and told them that you raped me and that you tried to kill me. And in that moment, um, you know, being scared and confused and betrayed and whatever else comes along with all that stuff. Um, I was just, I told her, I'm just over this. I'm over this life. I'm, you know, up to that point, I didn't have a lot going for me. Um, I didn't have a good relationship with my family. I was a full drug addict and alcoholic and wasn't working and pretty much homeless. And, you know, um, yeah, I just got saved, you know, and just started my walk with God, but, it just wasn't there. And so I decided to do something that I was told that was going to happen to me at such a young age. When I was very, very young, I was told that I was going to be dead or in prison by the time I was 30. I had just turned 29 years old just a week before. And so with this perfect storm of events, I just felt like this was that moment that I was going to take my life. And I struggled with depression and suicide, suicidal thoughts for a really long time. Uh, since I was young and I just felt like this was it so I ran headfirst at a closed out of a closed third story loft window and my intention was to kill myself it was to break my neck and just end it all well my foot clipped an awning on the way down changed my fall and I ended up breaking my back uh, severing my L2 uh, shattering my left arm breaking my right wrist and collapsing my left lung and um, I didn't black out. I, I was right there and looking up at this broken window right next to a drain on the ground. Like I remember looking at the drain. I remember looking up at the window. I remember gasping for air and being in so much pain and just asking God, why'd you let me live? Because the reality was, was fitness was the only thing that I had going for me at that point. You know, I was probably about 200 and 15 pounds of solid muscle. I was using HGH at the time, um, but now that was all just taken away from me. I went to the hospital, went to under the knife for about 10 hours and woke up to detectives coming into my hospital room and charging me with rape, murder, attempted murder, and uh, hitting me with a million dollar bond. Um, I was in a 
I had an external fixator on my left arm, a cast on my right wrist. I had a back brace. I had tubes coming out of my neck where they were feeding me pain medication. I had oxygen, catheter, like I was in all sorts of wild pain. And I, I remember being there and one of the cops just giving me a really hard time. And uh, he was like, you know, I'm reading the reports here, Mr. Decker, and, and um, you've done some really bad things. And I started to break down. I was like, you know, um, I've done some pretty stupid stuff in my life, sir, but that's just not one of those things. If anything, I, I cared for that girl. You know, maybe, you know, uh, maybe I wasn't the best boyfriend, but like I, I cared about that girl. And um, I started to break down crying and a nurse had to come in to the room and calm me down. And my body just been through some major trauma. My body was rejecting all the blood. Um, all the blood transfusions and stuff like that and so the nurse is like Mr. Decker you have to calm down like I can't have you have a elevated heart rate and as she was leaving the young lady walks in with the disguise and the cop's demeanor just changes and um, he goes is that who I think that is and I said yeah that's her and uh, he goes this doesn't make any sense you know, his whole, everything changed. And, and he walked over to her, walked her out, said that she couldn't be there, you know, comes back and like, you know, I, I don't see why she would even come. And later that night, you know, um, I was laying there in bed and I was just asking God and, you know, keep in mind, if anyone's sat in a hospital or been in a hospital after major trauma, or a major accident, like you have the lights and the noises, um, you know, the intercoms, the constant traffic, you know, I have tubes coming out of my neck and you're hearing, you know, there's just chaos. It's just, it's, it's full on chaos. And, and I'm so medicated so much pain and, you know, I can't even get clear thought or feeling. And all of a sudden, like, I'm just laying there and I'm, and I'm, and I'm asking God, I was like, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? And, and all of a sudden I just get this peace that came over me from head to toe. And I just hear the charges will be dropped. Your bills will be paid and you will walk again. Um, I doze off and then I wake up and, and everything is back. All the chaos is back. Well, um, within a couple of days, the cops came in and they dropped the charges. Um, right after they dropped the charges, um, my mom was allowed to visit. So I wasn't allowed to have any visitors um, uh, because I was a ward of the state or a ward of the county, right? And so the first guest I have is my mom. And, you know, I, I look through the, the doorway and my mom's talking to my neurosurgeon and she's like buckled over, you know, and I know what the neurosurgeon's saying. Like I knew the neurosurgeon saying he will never walk again, or it's a good chance that he won't ever walk again. And my mom walks in the room and I'm, you know, like, what's going on, mom? And I'm, I already know, I already know exactly what, what's going on, but I need her to say it. She's like, everything's going to be fine, son. And I was like, what is it, mom? And she's like, the doctor said you may never walk again, son. And um, I assured her that everything was going to be okay. Well, shortly after that, the nurses came in and 
they were just like, Mr. Decker, we're going to try to get you to stand up. And the reality was this, is that in that bed, I had to have pillows leveraged under my back and I had to have uh, nurses constantly come in and change my body position because I was in so much pain and I couldn't sit in one spot or lay in one spot for long periods of time because it just aches so bad. And I'm like, I'm on morphine and dilated and I'm just, and I'm still feeling all this pain. And I just knew that with my mom there, that I had to try to stand up to give my mom hope. And, and truth was, it wasn't going to happen, but I had to try. And, um, and that's exactly what I did. You know, I tried to get up and the nurses set me back down after I squealed. And I just screeched so loud. It felt like I broke my back all over again. They had to put the needles and the tubes into my, my pain tube that was um, in my neck. And they set me down and they were like, yeah, he's, it's not happening. And the neurosurgeon comes in shortly after that and said, we're going to perform another surgery. And so they end up performing another surgery. And after a couple of days of rest, they come back in, nurses come to get me. And they're like, we're going to try to get you to walk today. And I ended up sitting at the edge of the bed, which was more than what I could do without pain. And I got up on both feet and, um, they, I, I, I don't even know what I would call it. Like, so my leg, my left side, I, I fell on the left side of my body. So most of the damage was done there. So my right leg was perfectly fine. I can move it well, but my left leg didn't have the strength and, um, the movement. And so I, I had to drag my leg, but the truth was, is that when I got out of that bed, and I started moving, I was on my two feet, even if I wasn't moving well. And, um, and that was the beginning of me starting to walk again. Um, that was um, quite a, a journey within itself, just trying to walk. Um, I ended up losing 50, 55 pounds or so within three weeks. Um, my body completely atrophied. I went from 215 to about 155, 160 within three weeks. And I remember getting up and looking in the mirror for the first time. And I remember walking while well, I walked past a mirror in the hospital bathroom. And I'm like, hey, who is that dude? <laughs> and it was me. I didn't, I didn't recognize myself. Um, I'd gotten so, you know, frail and so broken. So over the next, you know, um, I think I spent six weeks in the hospital. They finally released me to go stay with my mom. And with that, I was able to, um, start develop, developing a relationship with my mom. You know, I never really had a relationship with my parents at all. You know, I, I, I think that what happened with them was my dad, the man who raised me since I was six months old. So he's my dad. He's not my biological father, but he's my dad. Uh, he got my mom pregnant and he was forced, you know, uh, story goes, he was forced to marry my mom. And so they just had an unstable um, beginning of their marriage and it just never took off from there. And so, um, you know, I think be between all their dysfunction and their emotional and physical abuse and drug abuse, like there was no getting to know my parents. You know, I don't think they even knew each other very well, you know. And, um, 
but I got to get to know my mom. And what I realized was that my mom was a hot mess, just like me. You know, my mom grew up in a, in a house where she was the oldest of five. She ended up having to run away. She was sexually abused. She was raped as a kid. Um, you know, she got pregnant with me and all she wanted was to have someone love her back. And she wanted to love something, you know, even though no one knew what that looked like because we had never taught that stuff because that's not what we saw. That's not what we were exposed to. And my dad, you know, what I found out about my dad was his, his dad, my grandpa raped my grandma and he was a product of that. So you have these two broken individuals who get married and have kids and start a family with a lot of unresolved, a lot of un, unaddressed issues. Um, and that's hard, you know, that's hard to raise kids when you have your own stuff. And I got to real, realize that stuff when I was living with my mom and, you know, I just forgave my parents. I forgave my parents because at that point I realized they did the best that they did, you know, and I'm sure my parents felt a little guilty for me jumping headfirst out of a window um, because I was their son, you know, and, and a lot of what led up to that moment was my childhood. My childhood led up to that moment, you know, the lack of stability, the lack of love and the lack of trust. But, you know, with that forgiveness, I was able to start moving forward in my healing physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And I just kind of stayed on that path, but I struggled with drugs and alcohol for the next four years. Um, I was still heavily medicating myself. Um, you know, alcohol was great for medicating. Um, it got numbed me out for a little while. And, but at some point that had to stop too. You know, I eventually, as I was going to physical therapy, cause not everyone's as awesome as Dr. Scott. Um, my physical therapist basically looked at me and said, this is as good as it's going to get for you. Like it was just this message of hopelessness of like, you're not going to get any better. So I had to take it upon myself to start doing my own physical therapy. And I got back into the weight room and started training. Well, within months, I went from 155 pounds up to almost 190. And I went to go see my neurosurgeon. He's like, yo, man. And I had a new neurosurgeon at this point. So the neurosurgeon that performed my first surgeries, um, basically said, you know, you're not going to walk again in the event that you do, you will never lift weights. You'll never play sport. You know, you'll be medicated for the rest of your life. Well, I was very fortunate and blessed to, to get a new neurosurgeon who performed my final back surgery. And he had a little bit of a different outlook. Um, he was definitely one of those guys that was in my corner. Um, and so you know, when him and I were interacting with each other, he was just like, man, you look terrific. You look great. And that, you know, that motivated me, that pushed me, um, especially because on his side of it, on the medical side of it, they were already like throwing me out to the curb for the most part, physical therapy in the hospital. And, you know, the previous neurosurgeon were just like, yeah, I mean, this is as good as life gets for you. But the reality was, is that I'm here, I'm alive and I have purpose in this life which took me a long time to really grasp, but I realized that. And I just started building my body again. And eventually I got strong and though that all that working out got me off of all the pain medication. I was on a, at one point I was on five or six different 
pain medications and muscle relaxers for all the damage that was done in my body. But with the fitness, with the training, I was able to start getting off all of that medication. Um, and then I was able to get back into the workforce. And so I figured my first job into the workforce would be a personal trainer. This way I could spend one-on-one -on -one time with each with people and um, work, work with them, train them, but also start to help them with the other stuff. Um, because with all that downtime that I had, um, there was a lot of self reflection right and there was a lot of digging deep and there was a lot of understanding that took place there was a lot of growing that took place in my brokenness and my healing so i wanted to be able to hand that over to other people so i got a job as a personal trainer i liked fitness i liked people it just worked well and um i ended up meeting um my wife she you know she's my wife now of you know almost almost nine years but I met her at this gym and early on I was still struggling with the alcohol. You know, there was a lot of stuff that I hadn't put behind me, a lot of stuff that I hadn't addressed. And so I was still hitting the bottle and nine months into my relationship with Alyssa, I ended up crashing her car. Um, it was a gift from her grandpa who had just recently passed. She had just graduated college. Like, you know, my wife's a little bit younger than me. You know, I was 34 when this happened, 33, 34. She was, you know, this 22-year-old young woman that was graduating college. Like, she was just starting her life. I, I threw away my 20s. And, um, but she was willing to, to be there for me and grow with me. And, you know, here I am sabotaging this relationship with liquor. And I, after that event, basically what happened was, I realized I just didn't need alcohol anymore. That it was completely interfering with my relationship with her, with my relationship with God. I felt like that alcohol abuse was just me numbing something out. So I didn't have to address other things in my life. And what I really had to reflect on was the fact that I jumped headfirst out of a window with all intention of killing myself. And I survived it. Not only did I survive it, I came back from it. You know, I ended up getting a job. I ended up getting off a disability. I ended up building my body up strong. I was able to play sport again. All this stuff that I was told I wasn't going to get to do, here I am. And I realized in that moment how much um, I had gotten back and how much grace that God had given me. And I kept just throwing it away. And I think in that moment was that ultimate, like, I give up the alcohol, you know, I don't, there's no need for it. And that was January 7th of 2014 is when 2014, what year is it now? I think it's, bro. thanks bro. <laughs> 2013 to that. So it's been like eight years, man, but, but yeah, you know, um, but the, you know, so anyways, I, you know, I got off the alcohol and then continued to start pursuing the path of sobriety and getting deeper into my life, um, you know, spiritually. And, and then, you know, I started shifting into, um, recovery, you know, now I'm jumping, this is like a big jump, but, you know, after about five, five, six years sober, what I realized was that with all the lessons that I had learned, um, in that time, 
about myself, about drug and alcohol abuse, that, you know, it was time to start giving back and start heading in a direction where, you know, I started sharing my story or started working with people that are struggling with addiction. Cause this is what I found about people with addiction is that we're, it's a bandaid for something. Um, I understand there's a physiological impact on, uh, on the human body with substance and chemicals, but I think it's a lot deeper than that. It, it, it's attached to this belief system that we need it, that we have to have it, that we have to lean on it and depend on it. And I think that once you start shifting that belief system, things can start changing for you. You know, I was very curious when I was on all these pain medications. Well, if pain medication was so addicting, well, how come I was only addicted to like one of them, right? And what I realized about that one that I was addicted to was the one that gave me the best feeling, right? Um, and I was like, well, that's kind of strange. If, if my body is physiologically you know, attached to this medication, um, you know, all this medication is supposed to be addicting, but I'm not addicted to ones over other ones. Um, what's going on with that? And what I realized was I was chasing a feeling. Um, that was the, that was the one medication that was numbing me the best more for my brain and not for the pain, if that makes sense. And so what I do now is I, I take a lot of my life lessons. I take my physical fitness because fitness was huge in getting off the pain medication one, but getting a, a core that was strong enough to support my back so that the hardware didn't have to do it, right? We also know the physiological impact that cardiovascular exercise has on the human brain and how it regenerates cells and, you know, you release dopamine and, you know, so there's a lot of good that came that does come out of the fitness element of it, but also trying to um, help others address more of the trauma. You know, maybe I can't do that for everybody. I'm not saying that I'm a therapist on that level, but based on my life experiences and what I've come out of, um, I think that I can help a lot of people and I have helped a lot of people. Um, you know, I wouldn't say, you know, come see me for all your ther therapy, right? You know, if you have to go see a therapist, go see, see a therapist. But what I do is I bring all that to the table for the people around me um, to help improve their lives. Um, there's a big chunk of stuff I didn't get to, but I'm just let I'm going to let you roll on this one, Scott. <laughs> yeah, I was just letting you go, man. Like, and we were going to, I was going to interject some questions, but you were, you were just on a roll, Rob, and I just let it go. So yeah, man. Um, no, like I said, your story is so amazing. You overcame so much, you know, broken home, um, addiction, homelessness, uh, bad relationships. And now you've come out of it. You know, you've, been able to start a business, you have a home, you have a wife, you have some amazing kids that I've met. And um, yeah, to come out of all, of all of that, you know, attaching your devotion to your fitness and your faith and uh, just wanting to be better, be a better person, be a better human. Um, it's helped you come a long way. And I, every time I hear that story, I just, I just, I just applaud you, man. Like, thanks, man. It would have broken so many people. Well, you know, yeah, you know, and, and I think what's so important about my story right now, man, is, you know, especially with this last year, year and a half or so, 
you know, I've watched suicide go up in numbers, um, domestic violence, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, right? Depression, you know, all these things that I suffered from, um, all these things I've partaken in. I think alcohol and uh, drug sales went up like 300%, 400%. It's just, it's an absurd number. And I think the common denominator in a lot of this stuff is a sense of hopelessness and a lack of purpose. Like, you know, and that's what I had for so long in my life. And I was only able to kind of ignore it or deflect it for so long. Um, and even what seems to start off as something recreational really has another motivation. Um, you know, you just kind of want to check out you know, but that leads into some darker stuff. And, you know, I know that there's someone listening right now that is struggling with those things, you know, had a messed up childhood, you know, part of one of the things I didn't touch on in my childhood is how I was molested as a boy by another dude. You know, I mean, that's hard. That's hard to carry that on throughout your life. And then you get in this mission where one, you can't have a sound relationship with a woman because, you know, the relationship, um, that you saw between mom and dad in the home wasn't good, right? Um, you learn from your parents. So I couldn't learn there. And then I've been, been molested by a boy. So now I'm on this mission to prove something to the world. Like, you know, there's nothing wrong with me, but that was still unfulfilling, right? Um, I was just doing a lot of damage to myself and to other people. And I think <clears throat> as men, I think a lot of men suffer from, someone molesting them and they buried that and it's impacted them uh in their own marriages they have intimacy issues and they have drug and alcohol you know problems um because they're trying to compartmentalize or try to bury some of those demons um they probably question themselves a lot in, in, in certain areas um and i think again i you know i touched on belief system you know i didn't believe that i was valuable um, I didn't believe that I had a purpose in this life. You know, I didn't realize I was a victim to other people, right? Um, I just felt like I was never good enough. And I know that a lot of people feel that way. And, and you know, through that, we start making certain decisions when it comes to intimacy and relationships and our addictions and drugs and alcohol, you know, and um, even fitness. I mean, at, at one point, like fitness was an addiction for me. And it was that more is better kind of mindset, you know? Um, and I realized that that wasn't even healthy. You know, I'm sure we all know someone who just overdoes it with the fitness, you know, fitness should have a place in our life for, for healthy living and mental well-being, but it shouldn't own you by any means. Right. And so we can turn anything into an obsession or an addiction, but what we're doing is we're just blanketing or throwing a band aid over the deeper issues, the deeper stuff. And so, you know, to be able to share my story and to open up about these things, you know, um, you know, I just, I just lost my dad to a drug overdose, you know, the same man that raised me to be a man couldn't be a man and shake his demons. Right. Like, and I'm not taking anything away from my dad. Um, I love my dad very dearly. But the point being is that a lot of us men grew up in that type of environment. Um, you know, we learn from those things and we see those things. And so, 
you know, there, there are men out there that have those dad issues. We have, you know, women that have mom issues or parent parental issues. Like, you know, we've all been exposed to some level of trauma um, that we've never dealt with. And so, um, you know, I just encourage people to address that stuff before it takes ownership of you. Because again, that comes down to your belief system. Well, um, I, I, I don't believe that I am that valuable or I'm that important or I'm, I'm lovable, right? Um, a lot of times we get into relationships because, and this is what I did. I got into relationships for that validation and that comfort and that security. But the reality is that was a big hole inside of me that I was trying to get other people to fill, right? And we do it all the time. And we'll go, you know, we'll go years and years and decades living like that trying to fill those holes with relationship and drugs and alcohol and our work and our fitness, right? Um, we're just going to consume and consume, but never be satisfied. You know, and a lot of that just comes from our belief system and our value in ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. It, agreed. hundred um, percent. Rob, we got to start wrapping things up, um, but we do have a couple more things we wanted to get to. Yeah. Um, want to make sure we hit that before, before we sign off. Um, I believe that you had an ask for people that you wanted to let people know about. Yeah, so I was fortunate enough to be a finalist for Muscle and Fitness's Mr. Health and Fitness. Um, so June 14th is when all the voting starts. So you can follow me on Facebook. Um, you can always reach out to me at robdeckerspeaks.com, which is my website. Um, and just follow me through my, um, that, my, uh, Facebook, Instagram is Decker underscore Rob, you know, um, for me, you know, 20 years ago, 20 years ago, being in men's, uh, muscle and fitness would have been more about the admiration that people were giving me because of how I look with my shirt off. Right. Um, you know, with a guy that's been broken to pieces and built back up, you know, I want to. I want an opportunity to share my story on that platform to be able to show people, yeah, you can have back problems. I think with you and I, Scott, like that was one of the things that was attractive to you was like, yo, man, your back's been through it, but yet you, you still made it, man. You know, um, you know, I want to encourage people not to be afraid um, and, and to, you know, start working yourself back into good health. Also that you can get free from dr drug and alcohol addiction you know, just like, you know, it's something that I did, like, I want to be able to use my life story in that publication as a vessel to really help transform individuals. And so, so yeah, June 14th, the voting will start for Mr. Health and Fitness, um, for Muscle and Fitness. So I would appreciate the vote. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely, I'll push that for you. I'll get on Instagram and share anything you got to help you um, with votes and things like that. Thanks, bro. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, of course. Of course. Um, so yeah, you said people can reach out to you at robdeckerspeaks.com um, and on Instagram. What was your Instagram handle again? It's decker underscore Rob. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And then everyone can check out the x-rays because that will blow your mind away. <laughs> <laughs> As long as they're a radiologist and can understand it. 
right? Yeah, yeah, I'm sure I, I throw it up there and a lot of people are like, I don't even know what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> well, what's crazy is that like in one of my x-rays four years ago, you know, I thought I was doomed. I thought one hip was going to be permanently higher than the other, creating all these structural and muscular dysfunction and leading me to all constant minor injuries. And um, that might be too nerdy for some people, but, um, but yeah, you know, through proper training, you know, I've been able to level out my hips. And so anyone that goes on my website, you'll see my x-rays um, or through my social media if you take a good look at my x-rays, you'll see the amount of hardware that's in my body. And it's absolutely absurd. <laughs> and then if you need further explanation on what I'm talking about, one hit being higher than the other and all, just, just ask me, you know, we'll break it down for you. I'm sure Scott could help you out there too. <laughs> yeah. Glad to do that as well. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Rob, I hope that, like you said, I hope somebody that is struggling with some of the things that you had dealt with, it, here's this and you're able to let them know that there's, there's some hope. Right. And let, you know, and reach out to me if, if you need some guidance or some, someone to talk to a lot, you know, what happens a lot of times is that within people's own circles, they don't want to open up about certain stuff. Well, you don't really know me. So it's pretty cool if you can reach out to me and talk to me about it and, you know, open up about it, you know, so feel free to go through my website to, to reach me and then we'll connect on a deeper level. Um, if you just want to talk and share, if you want to text an email, whatever it is, ultimately my heart is, is I want to see, you know, you heal, right? Whatever that looks like for you, I want to see that for you. And so feel free to reach out to me, please. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. All Thank right. you, Scott. We'll have to have you back on the show again sometime again in the future. Uh, I would love that, man. I really appreciate that, man. Thanks for having me on this time. Yeah, absolutely. All right, everyone, that was this episode of Movement Elevated. Be sure to tune in again next week. And thanks again to Rob Decker.